and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Beer 52. Keep listening to find out how you can get your hands on eight craft beers absolutely free. Just pay postage. Anyway, this is the podcast that understands the value of those garden disasters and wants you to embrace them. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's right-hand man, Blake. Rose will be dropping in soon with some topical news stories, but as always, before that, we'll be chatting to a gardening guest. And this week, that's GYO columnist and North London community gardener, Naomi Schillinger. Hi, Naomi. Hello. How are you today? (laughs) I'm very well. I'm cool, at least. Uh, It was so roasting last week. It's just blissful. It's been raining. The gardens look well, well watered. Yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean, we had it bad here out in Essex, but I imagine in London it was just extortionate it was unbearable it was unbearable and you didn't really want to go and was gardening in clients gardens about 7 30 in the morning starting because just, <laughs> just didn't want to be out by midday it does know? feel a bit like yeah we should all become nocturnal during those days I think and just Definitely. sleep through the heat and then work in the evening I think yeah. it is very rare as well in August that you're thinking please please we want some rain I think we I was um saying earlier that I think we had about five days where we were promised a storm that never arrived. And then when the rain eventually started, we were sort of running into the garden. <laughs> this is so lovely. I know, it was very strange weather. Like there'd be, you know, thunder rumbling away, nothing, or just bits of lightning and then nothing. Yeah, very, very strange. Never, never, never witnessed that before. So how has your garden come through all the humidity and everything? Um, it's doing all right. I mean, it's love. It's love the rain. Um, and also, I mean, I try and plant things that I don't have to water that often. You know, I'm, I'm a great believer in the right plant, the right place. Obviously, this year has been extreme. But yeah, I like to like to grow things that I think are going to be happy on their own as much as possible. So yeah, things are looking okay. Um, and with your community gardening initiative, your front garden growing mm. have you noticed that over lockdown has there been even more people embracing that in your community or? yeah I I do you know what I think we've been doing it for over 10 years now and there's a real sense of community and I think this year was such a weird year we've really benefited from each knowing each other I mean I had to self-isolate for a few weeks I had my godson living with me and he definitely had covid and uh, people were just delivering stuff at the door without even me asking it was amazing it's lovely That's food so lovely. yeah vegetables yeah and you know in zone two in London people don't imagine it's that 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 you know community spirited but it, it certainly was and um normally we have two or three get-togethers every year um but this year we couldn't do that so um people were desperate for compost it became like gold dust yeah. about march you know <laughs> and um as soon as my um supplier came back online uh, they they uh, furloughed their staff for the first few weeks and as soon as they started operating again i ordered 150 bags which we got delivered to a front garden and that that's that's helped over 100 households which oh, means wow. they didn't have to go searching online to find it there weren't any shops that opened locally that they could get it they might have had to go to B&Q I don't even know if places like that were open at the time it was very difficult and by just one delivery we managed to solve that problem for lots of people so I think a community project you know even though we can't meet up at the moment you know 
had it did really well and we gave away free seeds um luckily we'd spoken to Sutton seeds before and they they sent us 100 packs of tomato seeds and while everyone was still scrabbling to go online and try and find stuff um we also had really great relationships um Nikki's seeds they're a wonderful seed company I just emailed her said could I have 70 of this and 50 of that and 80 of that and within a few days they'd been delivered so we were very lucky but having that project already ongoing it really helped during lockdown. There seems to be this myth about people living in London that nobody speaks to each other and um, and I guess sometimes maybe that is based in, in the truth but having read what you do you know the work that you do it just seems like it doesn't need to be the case and often isn't no I think well what I do think is there's a real appetite for people to get to know each other and if there's something like this project and there are lots of them all over London and all over the country actually but if there's something like this it's something that's easy to join in there's no pressure you don't have to spend any money you can just take part I think that makes it easier for people to get involved and once they get involved you get so many benefits um going off on a tangent <laughs> um, there was a, a chap who lived a little bit further outside our our area um and when we went to deliver compost one year to his garden we noticed he was a fantastic topiarist and we had a really troublesome hedge on our street and he came and looked at it and said herd of elephants and so for the last oh about eight eight or nine years we've had these amazing topiary elephants on our street oh, uh, wow. they've become they are amazing, you know, and they're elephant size. Um, actually, we're going to be trimming them this afternoon. Um, but yeah, people, when we're doing it, they go, oh, I love this. Oh, you're my screensaver. The elephants are my screensaver. All oh, my children <laughs> love this. It's a real landmark. You know, we're right very near the Arsenal football stadium mm. and lots of fans. They're always taking pictures. You know, I can hear sometimes cars screeching to a halt and taking a picture. You know, <laughs> So, you know, w- what I'm saying is once you start including people in the, you know, in your environment, you, you get other benefits from that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, yes, I'd say I would say during COVID, during lockdown, it's been massively beneficial to have had this community project and a next door neighbour, I helped him with some some veg starting. He had a bramble covered patch in his back garden. And he said it just really helped with his anxiety, actually, having a project that he could get get on with, knowing that he could speak to neighbours and other neighbours dropped off bits of you know plants and compost for him. So, yeah, it was a real joint effort. Um, looking at the wider gardening journey beyond this year what would you say has been your biggest gardening success Well, <laughs> um, do you know what I think for me perennial herbs I didn't know I didn't I wasn't a big herb person I do like cooking but I went on a great herb course one year um, uh, this lady called Judith Han and uh, for people of my generation she used to be on television in Tomorrow's World which was all about uh, inventions for the future anyhow I knew her from then um, and she she has a lovely farm uh, farmhouse which I think it used to be a pig farm and um, she converted it into a beautiful herb garden so I went on a course there and I've never looked back actually so I grow things like sweet sicily and sorrel and lovage and they're herbs that you just cannot buy in the even your greengrocers let alone a supermarket and because they're perennial they come back year after year um I love I love salads so sweet sicily has this really gentle aniseed flavor and it looks beautiful it's like a fern so I use that all summer long sorrel again I use in salads you can use it for uh, soups 
Lovage uh, is a much taller plant, about six foot, maybe even taller, beautiful, lovely umbels when it goes to seed. But it has really intense celery flavour and that's great for soups. Um, you can wrap it around a chicken in a casserole with a little bit of stock. Amazing flavour. So I think that's been one of my successes. And fruit, again, it, that most fruit is perennial. So it comes back year after year. It can be expensive to buy and some things you just can't buy. So things like Japanese wine berries, I absolutely adore my favourite things. And talking about front gardens, um, one of my neighbours has loaned me their front garden. It is now my fruit pack. Oh, wow. So I... <laughs> So, but, but it's a win-win, you see, because I grow all the fruit and they can eat it as well. <laughs> so um, I grow rhubarb, Japanese wine berries, those lovely Hinamaki red gooseberries, uh, uh, autumn raspberries like Joan Jay and Polka, great varieties. And a lovely, it's called autumn amber, which is an apricot coloured autumn raspberry, which is really delicious, actually. Um, and Oregon thornless blackberries. And I have these, I've trained them uh, fairly near the wall. And I just see people looking around and, and nicking a few. I, I was going to say you know? to people, nick them as they're in the front garden. <laughs> well, they do. well, those ones are, I've put right by the fence. And yeah, and I love it because people just don't see that sort of thing growing. They see it in, in plastic boxes and supermarkets. So I think people, and when I'm working in the front garden, people will say, oh, I love this garden. You know, what's that? What's that? And, you know, I always let people, you know, have some fruit to taste and show them all the different herbs I've got growing in there. So uh, I think it's a, a, a really wonderful thing to be able to sort of share all that with the community. There's something to be said for front garden growing, isn't there? And and the fact that it really does allow you to speak to people and, and build connections with your neighbours that you might not see if you were just tucked away out the back. So. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's, you know, um, another thing about front garden growing um, is that in it's certainly in central London, and I'm sure it's the same in lots of urban environments you cannot get an allotment for love or money mm -hmm. you know um my local borough islington um they closed the list ages ago and even if you are on the list it's probably 10 years before you're going to get 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 a plot which is if you don't have any outside space even a front garden it's very depressing if you've got that urge to grow yeah. so i think now is the time to sort of you know everyone's at home a lot if you see an unloved front garden is to knock on the door say oh i'd love to help you with your garden <laughs> and it is a win-win because i know they get somebody to make their garden look lovely um and you they you can share and they get some freebies out of it as well yeah you get all the produce uh not all of it yeah <laughs> but yes yeah but you share it and also it it greens up the neighbourhood. So it's not just for you or that neighbour. It's the whole neighbourhood who benefit. Mm -hmm. And during lockdown, people were doing their daily walks, not going too far, just walking locally. And, and if you're out there saying, oh, I love this. You're my route. I love this garden. Mm. You know, and they, they'd want to talk to you and that. So I think it's not just you. It's just not the neighbour. It's the whole community that benefits when you do front gardening. Yeah. And I think... Um produce in general can be quite the conversation starter can't yeah. it because we've got round here I live in Ipswich and I'm quite near a river and there's a walk along the river and there's loads of blackberry bushes along absolutely tons and recently there'll be loads of families with little children and everything out there picking and you'll notice families that are there at the same time will just start chatting to each other about it there'll be a oh look I think you've missed a good one there or have you seen there's quite a lot on the bush over there and stuff and it's you wouldn't normally have that if you were just out for a walk you wouldn't necessarily stop and start no, talking say good morning wouldn't you and just carry on your way so moving on from 
success stories, have there been any things that you just haven't been able to grow or any real disasters that you've encountered in your time gardening? Well, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'd say so, quite a few. Uh, just how do I narrow it down? Um, I, I remember one year um, uh, in London, it's fairly heavy clay soil, but my allotment is used to be an old car park. And so it's all fresh soil. It's very light. So it doesn't... It, watering you need to water it more when you've got things growing there and I don't go there as often as I would you know a plot of two doors down the corner or you know neighbor's front garden so I grew um bulb fennel one year and I didn't water it enough and at the end of summer I had these perfectly formed miniature bulbs they're about oh. an inch tall you know <laughs> they look gorgeous but obviously nothing to eat so yeah that was one um again at this allotment um because it had been converted from a, a non-growing space the first year we grew stuff there were no pests it seemed so I grew amazing um everything really beetroot was a huge success very light soil and you know beautiful children beetroot I think I was writing a book that year and I just took pictures of all this great stuff and then the next year all the pests had found out about this gorgeous allotment happening and I sowed it all just expecting the same results again absolutely nothing they were all gobbled up yeah so but but every year is different yeah. you know you just you just have to learn you know that you know so maybe I I grow them in modules to give them a bit of a head start before I put them in or I plant some nasturtiums or marigolds or something like that mm. to lure the pests away but yeah so that was that was a that was a bit of a disappointment <laughs> and, uh, and and being in an urban environment blight doesn't appear that often we don't have open fields where it just kind of blows across the whole area but it does happen and I think that can be really disheartening I have had tomato blight a couple of times Mm. but then you try again the next year and and everything grows fine so I think it's not to be put off by your disasters and if it's something that you really want to grow like tomatoes try it again you know um some some things just aren't suitable for your soil and I think you have to accept that or you're not going to get to water enough and they need more water than you can give them then grow something else but I think um that's why I I love growing perennial fruit because they put their roots down and they do come back year after year and and things like blackberries if you I mean this weather has been amazing actually because it started raining just as they were ripening and uh, that was perfect but sometimes some years it's not not wet enough and you get kind of small fruit which isn't as plump and gorgeous as as before so I think every year is different and this year for so many reasons has been such a wild growing year you just cannot tell can you yeah I think that's one of the things it's part of the fun of growing but also never lull you into a false sense of security with anything like we um we're having an amazing year this year for tomatoes in my garden yeah but last year we had an amazing bean year we you know couldn't keep up with the beans we were freezing beans this year I think I've probably had about six and what do you think <laughs> and that it's is? just is that the heat or well I'm not I'm not really sure we have had a bit of a jiggle around with our garden and I don't know if maybe I haven't done enough to the soil in that particular area we also are fighting a constant constant slug battle mm. on particularly that side of the garden but it just it feels sometimes like you have real success with something one year. Yeah. It's not guaranteed the next no, year, but not. you'll have success with something else. And I think that's part of the like, oh, what are we gonna what are we gonna have lots of? And also I have to honorable mention for the dirt bingo here. <laughs> First year I've had loads of figs. I've got so many wow. figs I don't know what to do with them. Oh, and send them my I way. Think, I love figs. <laughs> and I think the most figs 
it's the first year it's really really properly fruited and as listeners to the dirt will know I never stop talking about him <laughs> but yeah it's just I think that's part of the fun really isn't it that you never know what's going to be the the amazing crop this year and also I think we've got very busy lives as well so some years you have more time to dedicate to your plot and and sometimes uh, you know life just takes over and you just don't get to the plot at the right time so there's so many varying factors aren't there yeah um so bringing you on to any shortcuts that you've got or or growing tips you mentioned obviously people have busy lives now and now that people are going back into offices and things like that they may have less time in the garden if it's someone who's got into gardening over lockdown for example so Mm. do you have any little shortcuts or tips um well I was just I was just thinking earlier in the year about potatoes um uh not digging no dig potatoes um and you could probably still plant a late crop for Christmas although I'm not sure how well they do outside maybe this is more of an indoor thing but when I was doing no dig potatoes if you didn't have time it was just you made a little mound on top of grass or whatever just soil you pop your potato on top and you just cover it with compost and the roots go into the soil um, and then you earth it up like you would any normal potato but that that saves you all that time in digging and when it comes to to actually you know finding your potatoes they're very easy to get up as well so I would say that that was one of my don't waste time digging uh stories and, and did you, you did that work for you did that you was amazing like you, got yes. as many as you would have done if you'd done it in a more traditional way yeah I did actually and it was a very rainy it was I think it was back in 2012 was the first time I did it and I've done it subsequently since then um it was a very wet summer and it, so some people have very heavy soil. And sometimes potatoes can rot in heavy soil. So because they weren't in the soil itself, they didn't rot. And they just I was a bit worried with the rain. I thought it was not sunny. They weren't growing. They had a massive. There were salad potatoes, but they're more like baking potatoes. I'd, <laughs> left the, I'd left them in for so long. But yeah, I got massive. So, you know, I, I think it's always fun, fun to experiment, try out new things. So um, so maybe not so much shortcuts, but just different. Try out different things, you know, do a little bit of reading around or even if it seems improbable, give it a go. All, always worth a try. Um, and another thing I do is I, when I grow lettuces, I might start them off in a little tray, then I'll put them into modules. And as soon as I have a bit of spare space, you know, something's finished growing. It might be like the runner beans. I'll just pop in a lettuce wherever there's a, wherever there's a gap. And that means that I've always got lettuces on the go because I love salads and I'll, I'll eat them all year round if I had lettuces growing all year round. So I'll try and keep it that, that succession of a, of a crop going all year round so those are my little tips I think that's quite good because often you think or I think of successional growing as oh I really have to plan this out and think about when I need it but if you're just doing it in a kind of natural way right that's become available now I'll pop that in there and that's yeah. free then it, perhaps just naturally you are going to get a succession of um, crops later in the year so yeah but also I, I also do think a little bit of planning can't hurt yeah, I know. <laughs> um, no because I'm terrible because you know come autumn you know where's all my lettuces gone so even now is a great time to sow a little batch of lettuces and I was desperate to sow it's so hot um lettuces don't generally germinate over about 25 degrees so it was hot for days I was like when am I going to sow lettuces <laughs> so I've just sown another little batch now hopefully they'll go they'll be ready to eat come autumn they'll be big enough to to over winter or at least 
up till Christmas. And uh, mustard leaves are a great thing to sow now. Um, still time to sow lots of pea shoots. I love pea shoots. They're so quick and easy. Um, and people, because they're quick and easy, people say, I don't know why, they're just not grown that much. But even if you have a, a windowsill, you know, all you need is a little window box or, or anything, really, an old plastic container which had ice cream in it or something, just some old dried peas, pea seeds or, or marrow fat peas, which you can get from a supermarket, um, soak them overnight, pop them in, and they should be ready in about three weeks' time. So that was something that I would say a, a really good tip. If you want instant greens, grow those. Yeah, and they've got so much flavour as well, haven't mm. they? They're really pea-like, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they do taste of peas and um, you can put, shove them in. You don't have to sort of um, plant them very you know, far apart. You don't have to thinly sow them because they're only going to grow to about four to six inches high. So you can really put them close together. You get loads from a very small space. I think if I was going to just do one quick crop now, that's what I would grow. Mm. So you mentioned um, growing trying out different things and trying more unusual things is there anything that you've grown recently that you were surprised that you had success with in a UK garden um I, I squash is always a bit hit and miss I find depending on the summer and especially if you're growing in pots they seem to you know want more water not too much water um so I grew lovely um it was some kind of gnarly little squash uh, from real seeds and um, it was brilliant but I've only grown about one so <laughs> it was it was beautiful and I was thinking well hey I'm off you know this is I'm just, what a success and uh, I can see one other little one coming through but that's about it so yeah it was a success but then they stopped but then I, I gave some seeds to another uh, I think it was crookneck a crookneck summer squash and beautiful little thing and I gave some to somebody else and they said it started getting looking a bit horrible so they cut it right back and it started producing again so you know I, I don't know it was a success and tromboncino squashes mm. that they're, they're they out of all the squashes I find that they work really well and and they look fantastic if you grow those in the front garden you'll get no end of comments on how amazing they look um so I think they're great um tomatoes Oh, I grew a very nice variety called Sweetheart this year, which is a little baby heart-shaped um, oh. cherry tomato. Really nice, really tasty, looked gorgeous, tasted gorgeous. And every year, you know, I have my favourite tomatoes. Sun Gold is always amazing. Um, sweet aperitif, tiny, but very, very sweet-like, very, very gorgeous to, to just pop in your mouth like a sweetie. But um, I'm always trying every year to grow some different varieties. So I'd say Sweetheart was my best some, some I grew a lovely yellow tomato, but it was a bit mushy. But this seemed to be a winner all in all. It was nice and crisp, beautiful, complex flavour. Yeah, that was a big thumbs up this year. What, what you're saying with the sun golds, I think the only problem with sun golds is none of them ever make it into the kitchen. No. It's the sort of thing where you're just walking <laughs> around the garden watering or whatever. Oh, I'll just eat another tomato. And then before you know it. <laughs> you know, you don't want to share them really, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we always like to finish off by asking our guests, what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned since you've been growing? Well, we've already talked about not being afraid to experiment. That's one of the things. And I think the other thing is grow what you love. Grow what you love to eat. Grow what you love to look at. You know, flowers, you always need pollinators. So, you know, I, I love growing fruit and veg, but I also mix in a whole lot, sort of a bit like a potager, you know, lots of flowers mm. to, to grow with with all the veg. Uh, it looks gorgeous. I just love seeing all the bees around and maybe, you know, 
maybe your bees didn't have enough pollinators, for example. You know, maybe you needed more flowers in that area. Who knows? But, you know, I think you need flowers as well. But, um, you know, we're told to try this and try that. But I think, you know, if you like eating beans, grow beans. If you don't like broccoli, don't grow broccoli. Sometimes, you know, after years of experimenting with lots of things, I like to try something new every year, but I also like to grow what I really enjoy eating. And, and, and lettuces are a big thing for me. So I'll try about five or six different varieties at a go you know in succession over the summer because I love trying new varieties I love seeing how they grow which one's got a nice crunchy texture which one's sweet so yeah definitely concentrate on growing what you love and and don't you know you don't have to do everything yeah sometimes less is more absolutely I think we've all been guilty of that where you sort of getting really Get too overexcited by yeah, something you've seen and yeah. then you grow it and you're like I don't even know how to cook this I don't know whether yeah. I like it well that's not a bad thing you know but sometimes I don't know there's trends like like in fashion you know there's yes. trends in what what vegetables to grow and sometimes you go, oh, wow I'll try that and it's got a hideous taste you know you don't have to ever grow it again don't feel that you have to do yeah. that just because it it's there in all the magazines you know and you know uh, I I'd say also in an urban environment uh you don't have acres and acres to play with so grow what you really like mm. in the space that you've got you know so try and get the most out of things and I think beans French and, and runner beans are fantastic because they just go up so they use a very small space to grow in and often I would say not always you get a good yeah. crop from them so you know but they, they were, you know you get beautiful flowers you know if you grow a uh, Cosé de Violette, you know, there's lovely purple French uh, mm. French beans, uh, got beautiful pink flowers, you know, lovely purple fruit. And you could mix those with a yellow variety and a green and it just looks amazing. Uh, and then, you know, you get all the different colour flowers as well. You get red and white flowers from, I think, was it Lady Di? Does she have red and white? One of those uh, runner beans has different bicoloured flowers. You, know, you can play around with all those sorts of things. Um, I must say one flower that I grow every year, which I couldn't be without, is a sweet pea. Oh, I um, love sweet peas. <laughs> it, honestly, it's so transporting, the scent. And it's something, you know, I grow them often in the front garden and I do share those with neighbours and you can just see them melt when they just have one little sniff of and the aroma, you know, mm. just fills fills their nostrils. You know, it's just a, a wonderful thing. They look beautiful and they smell gorgeous. So that's one thing that I would never be without. And I know this is a bit of a love or hate thing, but Jerusalem artichokes are mm. my all time one of my all time winter crops. And what's brilliant, you know, potatoes, if you leave them in the ground, they're going to rot. But you can leave Jerusalem artichokes all winter in the ground and just dig them up as and when you need them you know and they'll last they're, they're ready to crop from um October all the way through till March so I think they're a wonderful winter veg you know great for what do you do with them when you do dig them up how do you use them? um well you can make soups they're very good for soups but what I tend to do is I parboil them for a few minutes not too much because they will crumble they are different to potatoes they've got a different texture then I slice them up I fry some bacon and then I finish them off with the bacon and put them on a salad so it's a sort of a warm winter salad Ooh. with uh Jerusalem artichokes and bacon don't have to add the bacon if you're vegetarian but yeah that's a very nice winter salad but yeah or you can just roast them and use them like a like a potato but you know a nice veg like that so there's many things you can do with them and I just think they're just in the ground waiting for you and they're easy to grow and they don't need full sun they're, they're sort of very obliging um vegetable I'd say Aww. That's great. Well, and thank you very much for chatting with us today. It's been really great hearing all about your community growing and everything. And 
Thank you for the new tomato recommendation yeah. as well. We'll let you get back to, <laughs> back, back to the elephants this afternoon as well. So no, Honestly, the fun never ends. <laughs> I suppose the one question that I didn't ask yes. is, do the elephants end up wearing Arsenal scarves when there's a game on? <laughs> they do. They do. I mean, they are huge. Uh, they have been, actually, there was um, one year, there was Garden Day, uh, which is a Condide gardening app, have a... a they wanted to start up every year a celebration of gardening and they called it gardening day and everyone was wearing floral crowns mm. so they did have floral crowns one year for gardening <laughs> day but i haven't seen an arsenal scarf on them they may they may have been photographed with one but i haven't seen it <laughs> we loved in the pictures that you sent across um for your feature on garden day the cat in the flower crown made everybody laugh so much yes. because the cat's face was just like I will get you back later like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just popped into the room Emil yes <laughs> yeah he, yeah yeah he it, that took a few goes getting that photo I can tell I, you I'm very impressed because I have to say I don't think I would get that on my cat's heads and still have hands to speak of afterwards but. I think I must have got him at a sleepy moment you know he'd just woken up or something but because yeah he'd normally be playing around with that and uh, have my fingers yeah shredded <laughs> by the time but yeah, yeah that was great actually yeah they're oh, very, they look very beautiful yeah but they have wrecked some parts of the garden I must say I only got them the cats last year and uh you know, and I didn't know there was going to be lockdown, but they've been a pleasure to have. But they have also, they've got little roots where they fly through the garden and I've designed it beautifully. And there's just this, this trampled mass of my plants oh, now. No. But, <laughs> and obviously going to the toilet all over the garden, in my greenhouse, wherever. But I don't care, you know. I think, you know, you, you just got to, you know, just go with the flow sometimes. Yeah, you know, definitely. these things happen. And I'd rather have them than than the perfect garden, actually. So, um, yeah, they've been a huge plus. I have them a cat issue in our garden in that we've got two indoor cats. And we actually, just before the start of lockdown, um, officially took on a stray cat who's been in our in and out of our garden for the last three years and his favorite place to sleep is slap bang in the middle of the strawberry patch so there's this little patch of earth where nothing grows because he's always sleeping there and then I went outside the other day and I thought something looks a bit weird and I realized he's graduated from the bit that he's already killed to a nice new bit in the strawberry bed so I think might have to reconsider where the strawberries are going to live moving forward I mean you could uh, what what I do what I have done in the past for foxes because we have loads of foxes in London is if you have any rose cuttings just stick them in the ground because they're spiky you know and they're not going to kind of feel very comfortable getting down there and cross them over a little bit you know sort of dig them in at an angle you know so and that might maybe it will just contain him to one strawberry area who knows sort of like you've got all these lovely places to sit but no the strawberry patch is where you want to be (laughs) yeah it's probably nice and sunny for basking you know oh well thank you so much for your time no pleasure it's been really lovely chatting to you So, gang, hello. Hi. Um, I wanted to talk to you both today about a really lovely feature that I've seen on the Guardian website. It's called How Gardening Helped Me Live With Love and Loss. And it's by Rhiannon Lucy Coslett. I will not be able to do it justice by talking about it now. So I would just say everybody please go and read it because it is beautiful 
But linking into some of the things that Naomi was just saying about gardening, forming connections and that sort of thing, this is basically about how a love of gardening can connect you with family, friends, memories, history and everything. And I think that's a really lovely, really interesting idea. Like the writer here is talking about plants that remind her of her grandma's garden and there are cuttings that her grandma's got for her and sort of the connection to your own family history but also taking it in a wider sense there might be certain plants that remind you of being on an amazing holiday or a really happy time like if there was a smell in the air of certain plants when you got some really good news or something and I just think that's such a lovely really interesting idea I think it's sort of quite moving that plants both sort of remind us of loss through sort of like you say the smells and there's a particular plant that you're someone you've lost used to grow but also sort of helps us to deal with it as well which I think is what she might have been sort of Mm. talking about in the piece that it sort of makes you feel close to the person that you've lost through growing that plant so it's sort of a both of a reminder but also a, a coping mechanism as well which I think is, is quite interesting and and that we should that we can keep sort of memories of people alive almost by of course you'll never forget them but by sort of having a part a part of them in the garden like free growing something that they used to love yeah definitely there's a really really lovely bit here I won't read it all out because obviously it would be great if everyone goes on and reads it but there's this lovely bit where she says I was a complete garden novice so grandma Jean's advice was invaluable she gave me seeds and cuttings forget-me-nots primroses love in a mist lavender when I speak to her on the phone she's locked down alone in Hertfordshire we talk about gardening she has a lovely large garden for as long as I can remember and the plant that stands out the most in my memory is her compassion rose. The cutting she's planted for me waits impatiently for better times so that it can be handed over and placed in my own garden up against the fence in a newly cleared sunny spot. It will be a meaningful reminder of our bond. That I'm learning is what seems to happen with plants. They carry so much history, memory and feeling with them particularly in families, for those whom gardening is a passion. They tell the stories of our lives and of those who came before us. They're part and parcel of our ancestral history, binding the generations like sticky weed, winding their way through the family tree like the ivy I can't ever seem to conquer. Wow. What a lovely piece of writing. It's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I really do recommend it. And I think it also, reading it also makes you think about the things that remind you of people or places or times and I know lockdown in general has probably been quite nostalgic (laughs) but I think there's no harm in that and it's good to think about all of those things and times and people. It's reminding me of um, the fact that uh, obviously I have mentioned that I've been growing at my grandparents with my nan a lot this year my granddad passed away last year and um, Mm. we actually found some lupin seeds that he'd saved that were like oh this is so cool let's plant them and that Mm. was quite um, just a lovely 
uh, way to remember him, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, these were the seeds that he saved from the plants that he had, and now we're going to plant them. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was that's quite sweet. Oh, that's so lovely. Uh, and as it's well. important. It's nice how the way that plants and flowers and gardening can can do that. Mm. You know, evoke those those thoughts and memories. Yeah. I also think it's quite. Um, sort of interesting how even smells of flowers and plants can sort of um travel you back to a certain time almost mm, like even yeah. uh when I walk past I think it's that like when when it rains and and that really brings up this out the scent of like things like lavender and mm. like just walking across the street and even though that doesn't bring back a particular memory as such I can imagine that smells like that like if you sort of smell something and it reminds you of being in a certain place at a certain time as yeah. well a lavender's a good one for that I bet that yeah everybody you could ask anybody what does lavender remind you of and they would be able to tell you of like yeah. a specific like for me my fr best friend has so they had so much lavender growing in their garden that every time I've ever been around there that's what that reminds me of mm. yeah yeah. It's, it's incredible really yeah it is lovely and another one of the powerful things that gardening can do so my story I feel quite superficial in sharing this now because <laughs> it doesn't really seem to have a sort of good depth to it this is a very like dream what do we want in our life money sort of thing um so there's been some uh research that's been done by Angeline um basically about what Britain wants as their dream garden. Apparently, according to this research, the nation's dream garden is 88 foot long, south facing, <laughs> ideal, yeah, and of course it would be, and features a summer house, a swimming pool and wow. a vegetable patch, which of course is what drew me to this research because it's quite uh, cool that the nation's dream garden has a vegetable patch and it isn't all just like, I mean, it does go on to say that it also has a built-in barbecue <laughs> and a fireplace. So, of course, there are it's quite a random mix of things. Like, yeah. it almost sounds like like the set of Love Island plus <laughs> a vegetable garden is what people want. I, it really does. I suppose, in reality, what more can you need? You That's can true. pick your vegetables, whack them straight on the yeah. grill, yeah, and jump in and the pool while you wait while for them. you recline in yeah. your pool. <laughs> fireplace. Um, and when it comes to grass, it says 70% want the real thing, while 14% want AstroTurf. Um, I was wondering about that because you said 88 foot. Did you say that? Yeah. which is The length. And big. I was thinking that's quite a specific length. But And I'm now visualizing it. Is it just that people maybe don't want to have something bigger than that because it's going to be hard to maintain? Yeah, I presume so. Um, also, I guess. But then I think once you've got your swimming pool in it and you're... Fire yeah there's not going to be much room left no. is there I have um, to say I really want a fire pit yeah like I don't think that I can have one yeah. really at the moment but I think that it really adds that element of like oh it's the autumn and it's dark but let's still sit out there and be around the fire yeah. pit. I really want a pizza I don't know what I don't really know. What I think what you're getting at is, yeah, like, especially <laughs> at fun. this time of the year, like right now when it's like all oh, summer's coming to an end and it's like the nights are starting to draw in and it's getting a little bit colder. Like the idea of having a fire pit coming up is so appealing, isn't it? Because you can just prolong yeah. the summer. 
Because I mean, at this time of year, you can sit, I mean, I know you can at any time, but you can sit into the in the garden till sort of nine o'clock at night before the nights start drawing in a tiny bit, even 10 o'clock at night and you're still sitting out there. But then once you get to the, oh, it's dark at four o'clock, mm-hmm. you sort of think, I still want to sit outside. But I don't know, there's just something more welcoming about sitting around a fire. It feels very social, doesn't it? Mm. I think it goes to show that we all dream about our dream garden and that, like just as we dream about our dream house we dream about our dream garden as well and that it's okay to want these sorts of things but um yeah I just thought it was interesting that the the nation does want fruit and vegetables that it hasn't been pushed out completely in our dream garden aspirations that the beautiful fruit and veg patch is still very much what we aspire to to have so yeah yes that's really lovely um, I don't know whether you've both seen this, but Monty's dog, <laughs> everyone's out there back to talking about Monty Don's <laughs> dogs again. Um, Monty's dog, Nellie, had a bit of an accident <gasps> where she impaled herself on a stick. Oh, no. But, yeah, and we hadn't spoken about it on here yet, but um, I'm bringing the news this week that she's okay and Yay. she's recovered. and back to normal and Monty posted a photo of her like um at his feet with a stick like trying to get him to throw it and he said he's not going to anymore and that's the moral of the story apparently is that I didn't realize this but this is quite common um a lot of dogs actually get injured and have uh, accidents with sticks so don't throw them get a ball yes I must admit when I was growing up um my parents used to say to me when we had a dog um don't throw a stick because it's quite dangerous but yeah it's just goes to show and it was like quite a near miss wasn't it like she could have been really hurt yeah so but I'm so it's good she's all mess. recovered yeah she can help out on the vegetable plot again all is good oh well i'm glad to hear she's okay what a traumatic time i guess that's the thing when your garden helpers are animals isn't it just you know reminding them don't chew everything. Yeah. I did see that really cool T-shirt that I sent to you, which was someone had found it in a charity Oh, I'd forgotten shop. all about Yes. This. Oh, my yeah, so goodness me. I follow this Facebook, as you know, I follow this Facebook page on um, on Facebook. Yeah, as I said. Um, <laughs> and it's called, um, I don't want to say, well, r- rubbish stuff that you find in charity shops. Um, so it can be literally anything, but someone had found this um, printed T-shirt that says, I love Monty Dog. So not a rubbish thing, a thing that <laughs> no, we all want. No, it's a great want. thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a fabulous thing. And they said that they're, I think they bought it for their son or something, which I think is quite cool. Oh. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure the people on that group were kind of joking about it a little bit, but I genuinely would wear that T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. I think it's quite cool. Yeah, he is. Everyone loves him. He's a hero. So, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was quite funny. Someone had found that and posted it on there. I just want to know the story behind it, like who made who made that for whom? Yeah, and like was it <laughs> a line of like was there actually a line of Monty Don clothing yeah. that or was it we a don't one know off? about? Was it custom? Ooh, yeah. Who knows? Well, I think we should do some investigative work. Um, I've got some jobs on the plot now, so I can't believe it's the end of August. Like how that's come around quickly, but yeah, I've got some jobs that you can be getting on with this weekend right after this.
If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss. The kind people at Beer 52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt and cover the $5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack. We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so you can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers. So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the $5.95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers 5 and 2.com forward slash dirt. And now, we will head over to this week's Jobs on the Plot. Now August is drawing to a close, make sure you've got some of these key jobs ticked off on your plot as we approach the autumn months. In the fruit garden, raspberries should still be in full swing. During hot weather, pick over canes daily to avoid missing any fruits that will spoil if left on the plant. Summer strawberry varieties can now be tidied up post-harvest. Trim off all old and tired leaves, then water and feed well to revive your next crop. In the veg garden, leeks should be settling in well. Ensure they don't receive a check in growth by weeding them regularly, as they hate competition. If you're leaving your peppers on the plant to colour up, cut sweet varieties as soon as they do so. Chilies for storage can be left to dry on the plant if needed. Aubergines are another hothouse crop that will be maturing now. Be sure to cut them while their skins are still shiny, as once dull, the flesh becomes leathery. With crops maturing left, right and centre this month, you'll no doubt be generating large volumes of garden waste. If you don't already have a compost heap, it's a good time to be starting one up, remembering to get a good green-brown ratio. Summer plots create lots of green, nitrogen-rich waste. It's important to balance this out with woody waste to avoid creating a slimy, whiffy compost bin. Add scrunched up newspaper or sawdust if you don't have twiggy pruning spare. Also, cardboard from egg boxes and the like works well too. Have a lovely bank holiday weekend and until next time, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just twenty nine ninety nine. That's eleven ninety four off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list 
And a big bonus, each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.